This episode is marked for sensitive content. Please check content warnings in the episode description before listening. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. I get a call from him in the middle of the day. He's frantic and freaking out and he tells me, I'm going to jail. I love you. I'm going to get a hold of you as soon as I can. Meanwhile, my family, they had already been called by his mom and stepdad. His stepdad said, I'm calling to tell you guys to keep your daughter away from him because he'll ruin her life. The scariest part about falling in love with someone who lies to you is you're never sure if you fell in love with them or the person they wanted you to think they were. And when that reality starts crashing around you, how do you pick up the pieces and get out even stronger? Hey, what's up? It's Abby for The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Don't forget you can submit your own breakup story or if you want to be nosy and like submit Instagram handles of a couple you've always wanted to know about their breakup, you can do that too. If you're looking for the link, it's in the episode description or you can check it out in my personal Instagram bio or the Breakup Breakdown Instagram bio at Breakup Breakdown Podcast. This week, we're raising awareness for Mosaic Family Services in Dallas, Texas. They provide services not only for survivors of domestic violence, but also for survivors of various human rights abuses from around the world and within their community, like human trafficking. Check out more details, as always, in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. How you doing today? We're just gonna jump right into things. So if you've been following the podcast simply for the sake of following this podcast and didn't find me through my day job on the radio show that I work for, I'll fill you in real quick. So I work for this radio show that's syndicated across the country. It's called The Burt Show. And my first week there, I put one of the wildest stories I've ever put out on the podcast. It's season three, episode 11, when he had her arrested. And I came on the show and I was like, look, guys, I'm not sure I'm ever going to find a story that has that level of chaos in it. And so after that, I got a flood of submissions of some of the most heartbreaking, albeit dramatic stories, just so you know what kind of story we're about to deal with, because this is one of those. So this submission came straight from the ex who said this. She wrote, my ex was sent to jail while we were together. I met with his mom to get the full story from her end and learn way more than I thought I would. The boyfriend I thought I had didn't exist. He was a completely different person covering up his past with detailed lies. When he got out of jail, I tried to forgive him and start over with him, but my family was making me choose between him or them. I finally decided to end the relationship because I knew I wanted better and it wasn't easy. There were multiple threats, police involvement, Eight different Facebook accounts blocked. The full story has so many messed up details. I've never shared them all with the same person before because it's too hard for my loved ones to hear. This podcast kind of started as a drama podcast, and I love how it's evolved to where people are brave enough to finally share their stories that maybe they haven't before. Like, you have no idea what an honor it is that people feel comfortable enough to speak up so publicly with me on this podcast. So we're going to get right into the details that have never been shared to a single person before until now. When we break down this week's breakup. Well, I had just actually been dumped by my first love like about a month prior, maybe two months. I was just so not used to being single exactly and I was very desperate to kind of find another serious boyfriend as soon as I possibly could after that. So I was at church one day and I saw my other ex that we're talking about here today. Well, the first thing I thought was, wow, he looks like my first love, but like a glow up version of him. Kind of like a more attractive person. I just thought he was like the most good looking thing I'd ever seen, but out of my league. So that wasn't going to probably happen. I thought, what the heck? I'll try to see if I could find him on Facebook. So I went home and I was looking around on Facebook until I found him on uh, like we had mutual friends from church and stuff. I did a bunch of digging to figure out what his name was and everything and find him on there. So I sent a friend request and he messaged me right away like, hi, do I know you? And I was like, "Uh, no, just a stranger here. 
here adding you on Facebook because we had mutual friends. I didn't want to freak him out too much and it didn't seem to. He was just, he kept diving into conversation with me, called me on the phone and we really just hit it off really quickly and got really serious even just over the phone before we ever met up in person because I was off at college and he was in my hometown a couple hours away. So we'll call him Alex for the sake of the story here. We met with me being just very attracted to him, looking for the serious relationship again that I had missed so much from the previous person. Meeting him at church was really important to me too because I assumed, okay, he goes to the same church as me. He's very involved in this and that. And I'm sure that he is the type of person I'd be looking for long term because, you know, I had a very particular type of person I was looking for that I knew had to believe the same things as me for us to work in the long run. And it seemed like this was going to be a really good choice. And it was just a bonus that he was so good looking. I knew his grandma from church and stuff. I was surprised I had never heard of him before, met him before. But being in college, you know, I was only at church every now and then. We finally met up after a couple weeks of talking on the phone. I went over to his apartment and met up with him and, you know, super nervous meeting somebody in person for the first time. He was real charming and slick and, you know, he found a way to get that first kiss in there during our first meeting. And then, you know, it was all very serious from there. I was spending the night with him. I'm pretty sure that first night we just really hit it off and we're like very attached to each other. So things get bad pretty quickly. When you say things start to go downhill, like at what point do you start to notice that things are kind of off with this guy in this relationship? Actually, I'll, I'll add something to what I had already said about looking for this guy that had the same beliefs as me in church and everything. That, that was really important to me. He told me that he had recently been baptized and his testimony story was online on the church website and stuff. So I looked it up and I listened to his story, if you will. It was filled with things like I used to make bad decisions. I was addicted to drugs. I ended up in jail and I have this past that I'm ashamed of. But, you know, now I found God and he's forgiven me and I'm here to be a better person and live for him from now on and everything. Honestly, hearing some of the things in his testimony about his past made me like him even more because I was thinking, wow, how awesome that this person has his life together now compared to what he used to. And he seems to have changed a lot for the better. And he seems to know what it is to follow God now and live a good life and be a good person to others and make good choices for himself. And so if anything, it made me like him even more to hear this story about his past. I wasn't expecting anybody that had a perfect past, but just somebody to have a good future with. Getting to know more about him, he would give me more details, filling in the lines of the story that was in the video I had watched. And I started quickly learning a lot of details about him. He was an open book with me and would share anything, whether I asked about it or not, such as one thing he continued bringing up was this ex-girlfriend of his. Um, he knew that I had previously been in a very serious relationship with my first love who had recently dumped me. We were together for three years. We were high school sweethearts and everything. He was like, you know, I, I have a similar situation. Me and my ex were together for four years. I actually proposed to her. We were supposed to get married, but I found out she cheated on me with so-and-so. And he had, you know, details with names and everything, told me all these detailed stories about them together and whatnot. Um, we didn't really mind talking about our exes. It wasn't like a big taboo thing with us. But, you know, I felt like I got to know a lot about her. He also didn't drive a car. So I originally 
initially didn't see that as a problem, but anytime I came to visit him, it was me driving him around. And of course I wanted to know like, hey, do you have your license, but you don't have a car right now? What's the story there? And he explained to me that at one point, shortly after he got his driver's license, he got in this traumatic car accident. You know, he told me the make and model of the car and what it looked like and who was in the car with him. These two friends of his, you know, he had this story about how they got in this terrible car accident while he was driving. They all survived, but it really left him really traumatized and everything. So he's been afraid to drive ever since. And I was like, okay, um, I don't mind driving you around. I was just wanting to know the story there and everything. So maybe we'll work on that one day. You know, I'm starting to learn a lot about him. He had met my family. I wanted to meet his family in return. I already knew his grandma from church, but I heard that, you know, his mom lived nearby too. And I was like, maybe I can meet your mom sometime. He had told me at the time I was morbidly obese. And that's one of the reasons I thought actually the main reason, only reason that I thought he was out of my league because I was so overweight. He had kept like avoiding me meeting his mom. And he explained to me, he's like, I didn't want to tell you, I didn't want to make you feel bad, but my mom, you know, she just wants the best for her son. And she knows that I'm good looking and everything. And really she sees me with someone that's more of like looking like a supermodel than somebody like you. And you're beautiful. I think you are just the most gorgeous girl I've ever met, but it doesn't mean my mom will see you the same way. So I'm just trying to protect you. So eventually, you know, about a week later, he ends up changing his mind because he really, uh, we're already using the I love yous and everything after like a week. Very serious, very fast. And finally, he lets me meet his mom and everything. And she didn't seem to treat me badly at all. I wasn't sure. I mean, I was nervous at first to meet her because of what he had said, but I went ahead and do it anyway. It went fine. That was good. There were some, I'd say shortly after starting to say I love you. So a few weeks into our relationship, relationship. It already seemed like he was somebody that had a lot of drama that followed him. It already seemed like he was somebody that, you know, had all these other things in his past that I didn't judge him for. But nonetheless, it's in the back of my mind. I'm thinking I need to tread carefully here, I guess, just in case he's somebody who has even more that he hasn't told me. I'd say a few weeks into our relationship, we're already super serious. And to be honest, I really thought that being in this relationship truly helped me put a bandaid over the the pain from the previous breakup I was still dealing with. I actually dealt with pain from that breakup until I'd say it, it was at least a couple years until I met my now husband. Being in this relationship really helped me focus on this instead of the other thing that was so hurtful in my life. I also was trying to learn from my previous relationship to be a better girlfriend and make this current one work, be a better person myself, be more forgiving, be less controlling, things like that that I knew I needed to work on in myself. So when I started seeing some of these little anger episodes from him, it wasn't always that he would lash out in such a dramatic way um, every time, but it was always dramatic in the way that he flipped a switch out of nowhere. So something that I didn't think was necessarily a big deal, something that might irritate somebody mildly, he would go from being perfectly happy just to level 10 anger in a matter of seconds. That was really frustrating for me. It was usually yelling and saying things that were hurtful, sometimes maybe like punching a wall or something. When I know he's angry at me and I'm trying to leave his apartment, he would like block the door and not let me leave because he wasn't done yelling at me and getting mad at me about whatever it was we were fighting about. So those things were really stressful to me. His angry side would come out probably at least 
least maybe a few times a week. But the goods were really good. So I kept hanging in there. I didn't want another relationship to fail so quickly after the pain of the first one that I already lost. So I just, you know, wanted to see this through and see if I can keep making things better. But it was really emotionally draining for me at some point in just the extreme highs and lows of his mood swings. And I can remember taking a final in class at college and I was sitting there trying to finish my test with my phone blowing up because we had gotten in a fight right before I went in to take my test. He knew I was taking a he knew I was taking an exam and he continued blowing up my phone, sending text messages, leaving voicemails, calling. I should have turned off my phone before I started the test, but you know, I was running late, ran in there. I knew that these notifications were going on while I'm writing and stuff and it was just really stressful to me. So I ended up feeling at that point, I don't know how much more I can take from this. Uh, I don't know if it's worth it anymore. But the extreme highs in our relationship, it felt so great to be wanted and needed by somebody. He was always, when he was in a good mood, making it known how almost like he was obsessed with me. It was just so nice to be have somebody who was so passionate about me, who cared about me so much and wanted me more than anything. He had some moments of paranoia when we were together out in public sometimes. So I remember one specific time we were at the mall. This was 10 years ago, so everyone was going to malls a lot at the time. And I can remember walking into this store that was really for women. They sold purses and jewelry and stuff in this particular store. And there were a couple girls around our age that were chatting with each other in there. And I remember going in, looking at purses, and he's with me, you know. And then out of nowhere, he's just like, let's go. We need to get out of here. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? So we go out of the store and he's like really on edge and I'm not sure why. So he tells me once we walk out of the store, I just, I was getting so angry. Those girls were like talking about us. And, and I heard one of them say something about why is he with her? Because they were like attracted to me and thought like I was out of your league or something. I remember thinking like, well, that's really hurtful, but I didn't really hear them say anything. So I'm wondering how you did, you know, but I just kind of, I had no reason not to believe him, I guess. So we just went on to the next store. Something similar happened like when we went to the movies together and the guys sitting in front of us were chatting or whatever. And he told me after the movie, like he tried so hard not to get in a fight with them because he heard them like whispering about me and stuff. And it made him so angry because he just wants to defend me and he loves me and all this stuff. So once again, I was just kind of like, wow, I guess a lot of people out here that don't even know me in public care about me more than I realized. Not really thinking about it being paranoia exactly because I just thought like, why would somebody make this up? We've gotten to the point where we know what the problems are in this relationship. He's paranoid. He's angry. It just seems like things are rocky, but the highs are so good. So you want to stay in this relationship. At what point do you decide or is there a point at this level in the story that you're like, okay, this might not be the right situation for me? I was, you know, back at school a couple hours away from home and I get a call from him in the middle of the day and he's frantic and freaking out. And he tells me like, I'm going to jail. I'm going to jail, please. I love you. I'm going to get a hold of you as soon as I can, but I'm going to jail and I just, I need you to pray for me and I need you to be there for me and I'm really scared. And then he had to hang up and I was like, of course, you know, in shock, kind of freaking out, wanting to know what happened. And so once he does 
get arrested. At that point, he memorized my phone number so he could call me from jail whenever he wanted to. And of course, I wanted to know what on earth happened. So he tells me the story about how he got angry with his mom. They got in this fight. His brother got involved too, trying to calm them down and whatnot. And he ended up pushing her onto the ground or something like that. And she called the police on him. But in a domestic violence called to the police. If the police show up, they have to arrest somebody. There has to be one person in this group of people involved that they take to jail when they leave that property. And that was him, of course. So at this point, I'm still in shock. I'm like kind of in denial. Like I'm like, you know, I'm committed to him. I want to stay with him because he wants to be with me so bad and that feels so good. And I'm one of those people who are like fiercely loyal. So it's kind of hard to get rid of me once I commit to you. It, it, it was not a good thing in this situation. So were you at all shocked when you found out the reasons that he was telling you he was arrested or did you kind of feel like "Mm, that adds up. I could see that it would add up because of how angry he can get. He had never pushed me to the ground or anything like that, but I could see how he might with somebody else. He had told me stories about various people he had beat up in jail and it was like he was like proud of it and stuff. Wait, so Um, he had gone gone to jail before? Yeah. So in his testimony from his like baptism video at church, like he had mentioned that he had been to jail before and that he was addicted to drugs and whatnot. Good question, because I forgot to mention earlier his, uh, yeah, his reason that he gave me for going to jail. Of course, that was the biggest burning question in my mind. Like, whoa, was it because you were on drugs or what? He told me that he was at a party one time and he saw this guy that was, you know, kind of like feeling up this girl and she was not having it. She kept telling him to leave her alone. He wanted to defend this stranger and step in and tell him to knock it off. And they got in a fight and he ended up really, really hurting the other guy and sent to jail for it. So when I heard that story, I thought like, yeah, it really sucks that you were in jail, but I think it's a totally commendable reason. And I would appreciate if somebody defended me like that, even if they were sent to jail for it. The fact that he had been to jail in the past didn't bother me at all because had my answers. He gave me all his reasons. I also knew that him and his mom, like they have a history of not getting along and looking back on it, I'm sure he has a history of not getting along with everyone he's ever met. (laughs) At the time, all I could think is, okay, I've got his whole story now. He's in jail and not able to try to control me or manipulate me right now unless I answer the phone. So I'm going to do my best to get both sides of the story and I really want to know what's going on here. So I contacted his mom to go to her house and meet with her in person and ask her what happened and get to know the situation a little better. Meanwhile, my family, my parents were like, they had already been called by his mom and stepdad. His stepdad said she'd been to our house before, but he introduced her as a friend. And I didn't know that they were seriously dating and that they were in this committed relationship like this. And I'm calling to tell you guys to keep your daughter away from him because he's unstable and he'll ruin her life. And she just needs to get far away. So of course, my parents hearing this, I was only 20 years old at the time. They're thinking like, oh, he's in jail. He's a monster. Even if they don't have all the details, just their image of knowing their daughter is dating somebody in jail. They're like, you know, you have to break up with him, right? This is unacceptable. It's going to make us all look bad. And we want him to stay away from you based on what we've heard, even though we haven't heard much. Like this is a no brainer. You're obviously breaking up with him. But I still wanted to get the whole story. If I was going to break up with him, I wanted to do it on my own terms, not because mom and dad made me. I was still at that stage being 
20 years old of my parents treating me like I was a teenager, living with them in high school, trying to be an independent adult. And that was really difficult with our dynamic. You said that you called his mom to try and get more information on why he went to jail. Did she reveal anything when you called her? Yeah. So I still went to her house and I met up with her. She was going to lay everything out on the table with me, like everything out on the table. So in talking to her, we talked for about an hour and a half. And she told me about, of course, you know, what happened that day where she called the police on him. She said that he and her were yelling back and forth about something. And it started, she tried to get him to leave the house, but the fight continued out in the front yard as he's trying to leave or whatnot. And he picked up like this big decorative rock from their front yard and threw it out the garage, leaving this big dent in the garage. And that really made her angry. So now the fight's getting even more elevated and i guess at one point she claims that he like picked her up by the neck before throwing her on the ground like off the ground by her neck out of anger and when his brother saw it he was about 18 or so at the time he started defending their mom and came into the situation and got punched in the face and with a broken nose he half strangled his mom threw her on the ground punched his brother in the face and broke his nose she told me i've just had enough of him and that was like my last straw with him and i wanted to get him out of here and I knew the police would have to take him to jail and I that's exactly where I want him to be. I don't have a son anymore. I'm done with him. He's had way too many chances from me. Even though I am his mom, I've got to look out for my other children um, because she had another son and then two young daughters who were in elementary and middle school at the time, I think. In talking to her and just getting more information about him in general, bes- besides this one event that recently happened, come to find out that whole story he had told about not driving because of this traumatic accident of his. He had never driven a car in his life. He had just told me that made up story with all these details just because he thought it made him look less pathetic or something because he'd never driven a car. He thought like, oh, if I say that I used to drive, then it makes me look like less of a loser or something. So he had this big story made up. Also, that ex that he dated for four years with all this drama going on, he had only met her twice in person and they dated for like three or four months. So the mom told me the truth about that. The biggest thing about all was about him going to jail. Um, He did go to jail, but not for the reason that he gave about trying to defend some girl and whatnot against this sexual predator. But he was in jail until he was 18 and able to leave because... He was sent to a group home at age 13 and the group home kicked him out because of his behavior problems and they sent him to jail. He was in a group home at age 13 because he molested his three-year-old sister. So when his mom found him with his sister and freaked out and told the stepdad, which was his daughter, you know, he was like, this kid's got to go. I'm kicking him out. He had nowhere else to go besides, you know, a, a group home. His behavior was so bad in the group home that he was sent to a juvenile prison until he was old enough to live on his own at age 18. story he gave you for being in in jail was he had gotten in a fight for defending some girl. Yes. The story he gave me was that he was at a party and saw this guy trying to take advantage of a girl physically and he stepped in to defend her. Really, he was like the guy. (laughs) I knew his sister from before too. I had, um, when I was younger, I had volunteered in the preschool class at church and stuff and I remember her as a three-year-old during that time when he was doing that to her. I remember 
remember her being one of my students, if you will, in that class at church. And so just to think about that was I was starting to understand why a mother would have the conviction without looking back to disown her son because she gave him chance after chance. That was a huge infraction against their family. You know, she continued to let him back in their home years later, hoping to start over and give him another chance and everything. And then once this happened with the domestic violence, she just said, I'm done with him. I did confront him about all of the things I had learned. I was starting to understand all the weird little things that he had been saying in our relationship, uh, such as like the part about being paranoid and things. Um, I started realizing, oh, he's trying to build almost a, what's the word? A dependence on him. He wants me to depend on him for a sense of security. So he's going to make it seem like people around me are after me or putting us down for being together because it makes him feel like I, I would never not date you because of your size or your weight. People out there that think otherwise are just jerks because it made himself feel better, I guess, because it made me feel like, oh, people don't accept me, but you do. And that makes me love you even more. Um, he had a lot of like twisted ways of just trying to manipulate a sense of dependence on him. I even told his mom when I was talking to her. So I'm learning about a lot of lies right now that he's told me. One of the crazy things he has told me previously was that he didn't want me to meet you at first because of you having these high standards for him and me not meeting up to your standards of what someone should look like physically to be with your son. And she like immediately just like laughed out loud. She was like, honey, you're beautiful. You're sweet. You're too good for him. He didn't want you to talk to me or meet me. I guarantee it was because he didn't want you finding out any of this stuff I just told you for the past hour and a half. That's why. And that made perfect sense to me too. At this point, I you know, was really disappointed to say the least in the person he was and all the lies he had told me. The lying, it was, what would they say, pathological. It was constantly happening for no apparent reason even like even if there was nothing in it for him there was just so many little things that he would for no reason lie about just because it made him look good or something even though I wasn't like telling him anything about how he should be acting or looking he was just pulling these things out because I think he wanted to create this person that he wasn't and like make a new image for himself and sell it to me and whoever else was willing to to take it in at this point he's owned up to all of his lying I confronted him he's like you got me I'm so sorry sorry, this time in jail has really made me take another look at myself and reflect and know how badly I need to change. And I miss you so much. And it's making me realize how amazing you are for putting up with me. And it's just making me realize how badly I need you in my life still and how wonderful and forgiving you are for like, not just never speaking to me again and stuff. He's, you know, as I've mentioned, really good at manipulating. He's really good at being a charmer and making me feel wanted and everything. So part of me is like wanting to give him one more chance to see if, okay, now we can start over because I know the real you. While I've got my parents over here pulling me in this direction saying like, you better never see him again. You better never talk to him again. You you know, we're changing your phone number so he can't get a hold of you. And they did. So that all happened. And then he was able to get out of jail about 
I think it was like in one month. So when he got out, of course, first thing he wanted to do was see me and have another chance. And I was kind of at that point wanting to see how it went with one more chance, but I wanted my family to leave me alone about it and let me choose for myself. I gave him another chance for about a month. And during that month, I had him pulling me this way and my family pulling me that way. And it got to the point where I really had to choose between the two of them. Both of my parents and both of my siblings were really passionate about me needing to break up with him. And it was making him very, very angry that I wasn't doing that yet. He, knowing that they were feeling that way, started having an issue with them. So he started not liking them and being angry at them for trying to tear us apart. That wasn't going too well either. So we had like one time we got home from a date and, you know, I'm sneaking around not telling my parents that I'm seeing him, but he had this other like huge blow up on me. You know, he was all angry on the phone at me, but the things that I had at his house, like I left a laptop and like some CDs and DVDs because at the time that was the thing. We didn't like smartphones were pretty new and I didn't have all that yet. And so like he took all my stuff and like scratched it up and broke it and put it in a trash bag and threw it out in the front yard and stuff like that when he was angry. And, And then I come to his house and he's having this anger episode again and whatnot. And at that point I said, okay, I'm done now. I think right now is my time to say, it's time for me to move on and stop seeing you. You're nothing but toxic in my life. And I I really mean it this time, like no more chances. I need to move on. One of the other reasons I didn't do that sooner, I know, was because I would have to deal with such an explosion of a response from him if I tried to break up with him. I knew that it wouldn't be easy. So I kind of kept avoiding it for a while because of that too. I knew that when I broke up with him, he would use every tactic possible to try to keep me around or make me pay for it if I refuse to stay. At that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to rip it off like a band-aid, do it anyway, break up with them. Whatever happens, happens, and I'm just going to try my best to get through it. You know, he he started by being really sad, but when he realized his sadness and his tears and his begging me to stay with him weren't going to work, then he got angry again about it. The threats started threatening things like, I'm going to slash your tires. I'm going to send these buddies I have to your parents' house and set it on fire. Like, I'm going to send some someone to shoot your family. I'm going to say, you know, like crazy stuff. He even tried using blackmail. I had told him about like a deep secret that I had that I had trusted him with. He was using that against me, texting my parents all about that secret with details and everything and putting it all out there. Of course, at the time I was able to tell them like, he's crazy. You know how crazy he is. It's it's not true, even though it was. <laughs> but I was able to, you know, get through that one pretty easily. Um, but I don't want to make you force the blackmail, but can you give me like a context of what this, what type of secret this would have been? It had to do with some kind of like sexting thing. Oh, okay. Okay. So I was it, like, you know, someone? No, but it was still something that like in my family would have been a huge deal. And like he claimed to have photos that he possessed that he could show my parents and stuff come to find out he was lying about that. You know, at this point, I was like, I I could just blame anything he says on a lie. Those who know how much he lies will believe me because he's proven that he never tells the truth. He was also using, you know, suicide was another big one that he was using to manipulate me, always saying like, you know, if, if you just give me one more chance, all I need is one more and I promise I'll, I'll make it work this time and I'm going to be better and change. And 
if you don't, then I'm just going to kill myself because I can't live without you. And he'd send me pictures of like a pill bottle, whatever he could find in his apartment. Like, I'm going to take this entire bottle of pills if you, you know, don't talk to me right now and like try to work it out with me. Um, He threatened to like hang himself in his apartment, all kinds of stuff. And um, I just got to the point where I was like, you know, that's not going to work on me anymore. You can't manipulate me with these threats. I'm I don't care. Do what you got to do. That sounds a bit harsh, but I had gotten to a point where I was just like, it would be a relief for me to never have to speak to you or deal with your drama again. Thankfully, I had my new phone number, but he was starting to find other ways to get a hold of me. Of course, I jumped right back onto online dating. It was what it was. I was pretty desperate to find a good relationship. So he was, you know, messaging me on dating apps. He was messaging me on Facebook. And to this day, I think I still have eight different Facebook accounts blocked that he tried to message me on with Messenger to apologize, tell me how much he missed me, try to, you know, win me back or whatever. And I continued sporadically getting messages from him like that for about a year. And during that entire time, you know, it was very hard. It was like trying to wait through a storm, like wait for the storm to be over and just waiting and giving it time for him to to accept the situation that I wasn't going to be with him and just let me go. And it took a, an entire year. So fast forward, I'd say about a year and a half later from that moment I broke up with him and a year and a half later, I lost over 150 pounds and I found a husband. We started dating right after I lost the weight. I ended up getting married to somebody. We're still together going on nine years now and have two really, really, really cute kids and a dog together. Meanwhile, he continuing to be a very unstable person. A few years ago, he did eventually kill himself. I was trying to drive home from work that day, but realized that one of the main highways that I normally take home was blocked off because somebody, some suicidal person was sitting on the overpass and they blocked off all the roads and the police was trying to trying to defuse the situation and get him to not jump. And so I'm just like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. I hope they help that person. And I just found a different route home. This overpass was right down the street from my house, from where I I could have walked there from my house. Come to find out, of course, it was my ex-boyfriend that was sitting up there. I heard it was for a few hours with the police trying to talk him out of it until he finally did jump. Instead of sadness, of course, I always hoped that he would change and live a happy life one day, but I knew that was a stretch and a long shot. And I'm not surprised at all by the way he chose to end everything because I know he wanted to find somebody to love and stay with forever. But the way he acted and the way he was, it just he kept driving everybody away. I'm sure he just had enough of it at some point. And hearing the news that it was him, I was, first of all, shocked that it was him. I thought that all this threat of suicide at the time when I was with him, I knew it was a manipulation tactic. Clearly, it had turned into something that was more than just a threat. Instead of sadness, though, I really did feel relief. He put me through so much and I knew that he was putting his family through so much and his grandma, who was still trying to be there for him and help him along. And um, he had had a child of his own and I'm sure his baby mama, you know, was had dealt with a lot with him and things like that. The first thing I thought was just like, well, it's all over now. He can't do this stuff to anybody else. He's for God to deal with from here on out. Did you know that he had had a child or did you find that out after he had passed away? I knew he did. She would have been just a couple years old at the time, I think, maybe one or two. I follow drama. I like to hear what's going on 
<laughs> it helps me. Maybe it's because it makes me feel better about my own life. I, I like to hear these crazy, shocking things. So, of course, you know, even though I was in a healthy relationship, every now and then, of course, I'd be checking on social media. What's he up to now? How many girlfriends has it been since then now? You know, like how, how many people have had enough of them? But also it was weird because there was like two halves of me. The one half like hoping that he would crash and burn and because that's what he deserved. And the other half hoping that maybe he'd get it together, you know, but it just it just is what it is. And um, I don't know. Part of me also thought like, oh, I was right down the street. If I knew that was him up there, was there something I could have done or said to him if I would have shown up? And, you know, it wasn't working with the police trying to talk him out of it. Could I have talked him out of it? Because he in messaging me over that one year was always convinced that I was the one that got away and maybe there was something I could have said or done. But I was also pregnant with another man's baby at the time, <laughs> my husband. So maybe he wouldn't have liked seeing that and it wouldn't have worked anyway. But you also had no idea. I think when we have hindsight, it feels like I totally could have done something. But like you said, you were driving and you thought this was just some random person that, of course, she wanted the best for. But there was no way of you to know that that he was up there. There's no way you could have known that. Not to like say that it wouldn't have been helpful, but I don't want you to feel like you have to blame yourself for this guy being up there because it's not like he sent you a text being like, meet me at the overpass at 5 p.m. I have something I want to tell you. Let's say there was a world where that did happen. You could be putting yourself in your now child in danger and that wouldn't have been good for you either. I had asked about the about if you had known if he had a kid because if I'm you and if I know his history with his sister and what he did to her, I would have trouble sleeping over that, honestly. And I wondered if you ever thought about maybe reaching out to the baby mama. Do you think she had any idea about that situation? It's interesting you ask because I had seen her in person twice and she had no idea who I was. She worked at a clothing store that I went to near where I lived. I knew it was her because of the social media and doing that stalker stuff that I do. I recognized her right, right away. And once again, a very overweight girl who was actually bigger than I used to be. I think he had a type that he targeted. Somebody who might, you know, have low self-esteem. Somebody who might more quickly or easily latch on to him because she has less choices out there, boyfriend-wise or whatever. You know, I, I feel like most of the girls he dated after me were all my size or bigger. And I think that was for a reason, to be honest with you, and not just a physical preference. When I saw her at the clothing store that I was going to, I got really nervous. First of all, I knew that he must have told her all kinds of lies about me just like he told me a bunch of lies about the girlfriend before me. I even saw some of these lies on his dating profiles on those apps that he tried to contact me on talking about how heartbroken he had been in the past by the love of his life that he was together with for two years and what he was talking about me. We were not together for two years. We were together for six months, but it gives him some kind of makes him look more stable or something to tell people that he's been in longer relationships when it's not true. So one of the things I thought when I saw her in the story was like, ooh, their relationship is new. I don't think they had a child yet. And I wanted her to know like how badly he affected me. And I wanted her to know that if it hasn't happened to her, if she hasn't gotten there with him yet, that she would. I wanted to almost warn her, like you said, but I also knew that he, she was probably already filled with all kinds of lies about me. And I didn't know she would believe them. I came home to my husband the night and told him, hey, I saw his girlfriend. Should I say anything to her or warn her? And he's like, just stay out of it. Just stay out of it. I want you to not give him any more power over your life. And just keep living your life ignoring his existence in the world. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right. So I didn't say anything to her the next time I saw her either. Come to find out she actually went to high school with my husband. And he's like, I don't remember her at all, but <laughs> small world. <laughs> We're talking about in a different
different town and everything. So over an hour away from where we live. Yeah, it's just a very, very small world. I have since seen her and her daughter at the playground playing with my kids. And I've acted like a stranger, not said anything, but I can only imagine the stuff she might have put up with. And especially when you have a child with somebody, you're connected to them permanently from here on out. But now that he's gone, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she had a big sense of relief to not having to co-parent with him. I think we might have mentioned this on our, our first call. It's like, it sounds messed up, but there was probably a little bit of relief that like, A, he couldn't do anything more to anybody else. B, we hope that he's in a better place than that. His suffering on this earth is gone because it was obvious that he was going through some stuff too. It sounds like he had a lot of emotional turmoil that he didn't know how to cope with. So you mentioned that you were hesitant about approaching her, didn't know how she would respond. You didn't know what kind of lies she had been told about you. If somebody had done the same thing to you, like let's say three months into your relationship with this guy, some chick came up to you, gave you the whole spiel that his mom had given you at the end point of your relationship. Do you think that would have affected the way you decided to handle that end of the relationship? Or do you think you would have just put up with it more? I actually did have one time where a friend, a good friend of mine at the time called me out of the blue before all of the really bad stuff went down with him. And she told me, I need to talk to you alone, like make sure you're not in the room with him or whatever. And she had heard through the grapevine from her mom who was talking to his grandma something about him starting a new job with driving a forklift and you know I'm really scared about this new job of his driving a forklift because he's never driven anything in his life and when my friend heard that from this conversation she's like wait a minute that's not the story I heard from Sarah about why he doesn't drive so she was trying to warn me like hey I know he's lying about this one thing probably lying about other things too I just wanted to warn you and give you a heads up that he's probably not completely who you think he is and I told her I appreciated the heads up but of course I had him in the other room like constantly trying to put his ear up against the door I want to know what's going on and when he found out you know I confronted him with the information and everything and when he found out he was just getting really angry at the friend for trying to rat him out saying it wasn't true and whatnot so you know it's it's really hard when you're confronted with the truth and then this person is already so used to lying they have no problem having a convincing lie again to try to cover it up when you confront them with the truth. They have a backup to the backup story. You know, I didn't really know who to believe or what to believe in that scenario. And I probably would have felt the same way if his mom had told me more information then. On top of them having a backup to the backup story and being convincing, there's also a part of you that probably wants to believe the best in them too. Like it could be a a shitty lie through and through, but if you want to believe it, there's really nobody that can convince you out of that. I think with a lot of the things that we're talking about right now, it's like we can look back and go, I wish I could have stepped in and done something or I wish I could have maybe stepped in and said something. I think sometimes life just has to play out. If it's messier that way, as long as you get yourself out of a bad situation, sometimes I think that's just like how things have to run. Well, looking back on this, I know there's tons of people listening that have found themselves in these types of relationships where they're being lied to, manipulated, or they're just in just really toxic situations. Like if you could go back and tell your younger self something about getting through this relationship and eventually getting out, what would you tell her? I would tell myself that it's okay to fail on something that you're trying to make work so hard uh, if that's the right choice for yourself. I learned pretty early on it wasn't going to work out in the long run. I wasn't ready to let it go right away, but I knew like I couldn't see this lasting a decade from now. But I don't like to look like a failure. I like to try to hold through till the end to give everything my best shot to keep 
keep my loyalty to someone as long as possible. And I probably would have just told myself, look, I know you wanted to make your next relationship work and be your last one because you don't want to deal with heartbreak again. Trust me, it's worth it to find the next one. And then you, you can't find something better while you're hanging on to something that is so bad. Why was failure in your next relationship, that second relationship that we just talked about for the last hour, why was failure such a scary thing and something you wanted to avoid so badly? Well, I do know that one thing that I don't think I've mentioned yet is being a Christian and going to church and things. I know the Bible does talk about fornication being a sin and waiting till you're married to have sex and things like that. I know um, I can definitely say that I've always attached deep emotion with sex. I'm not able to just have some kind of casual physical relationship with somebody. I never have been like that. But with my first love, that was, you know, he was my first everything. Because that breakup was so painful, I think a lot of it was because I had such an intense connection with him because he was somebody I was having sex with. And I tie the physical and chip so closely. So with this second boyfriend, honestly, another thing to add to his list of crappy things about him, he was definitely sexually deviant. He was a sex addict. When I left my laptop at his apartment for me to go to work one day, I can see all the porn history he had watched all day long while I was gone. He was constantly trying to have sex with me like in the worst places, places that I was like, look, this is, you know, a public place now and stuff like that. This is church literally trying to have sex with me in the church building somewhere. Or this is a Wendy's. Well, it wasn't at Wendy's, thankfully, but, um, you know, plenty of other <laughs> This options. is a long John Silver's. I had told myself when I had met him or even before I met him, like, hey, the next person I have sex with needs to be my husband because I can't bear the thought of having that intense emotional connection with them again just to be heartbroken again. And this was the worst pain I've ever had to deal with with this first breakup. So I'd hate to do that again. And I let him know too, like, hey, I want the next person to be my last person. So I think that also had a lot to do with why I didn't want to give up quite yet. You know, six months was all I had in me total. <laughs> I couldn't imagine anyone sticking in that situation longer, but happy to say that the big lesson I did learn was you can't get better if you're clinging on to something so bad. So when I was able to let go of that and get far away from it, I was able to finally find somebody who is completely, totally honest with me all the time. And I can trust everything he says is true. And it's really awesome. But I, I'd be lying if I said none of this stuff bled over to my relationship with my husband. I think took like a good year of being with him where he would tell me things and I always second guess him and question him. And how do I know you're not lying to me and things like that. And he would get really irritated about it. He's like, hey, I'm not your ex. I'm not like that. You know, um, you're just going to have to learn to trust me. And he was patient with me about that until I was able to quit being so suspicious about him because it was hard to, you know, trust somebody completely after that. I did finally get there and that's been really good. How did you navigate getting over that physical trauma? Because that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Like, okay, if I have sex with you, we have to get married. How did you handle going into new relationships, battling maybe a feeling of like betrayal? trail that you have with yourself of like, I had sex with this guy and he ends up being like a total D-bag. Like, how do you go into a new relationship and like be able to trust somebody physically and emotionally again? Another thing I that's come to mind that I haven't mentioned, you're, you're going to think, wow, this is like a big thing. How did you not mention this? But it's because it's been 10 years and everything is, and nothing bothers me the way it used to. And I'm able to talk about anything. So 
um, I told you how like the first night we met, I stayed with him and I stayed with him for like three nights in a row, like during our very first meeting. I was home for Christmas break or something from school. So I just told my parents, you know, I'm staying with my friend so-and-so and they didn't think twice about it because they didn't know I was talking to anybody. And I stayed with him for like 72 hours straight. Like we went and really spending a lot of time together off the get-go. And during that time, I think it was like the, after the second or third night that I spent with him, I had told him that thing about how important it was that the next one is my last one. And uh, I'm really wanting the next person I have sex with to be my husband. And he knew that and everything. I woke up in the morning. I am not a morning person. It's really hard to wake me up. It's really hard to get me like out of bed in the morning and stuff. And like I said, he was obsessed with sex and he knew he knew my wishes in this area. And he was wanting to have sex with me when he woke up in the morning. You know, I'm still like half asleep. I'm laying there and he starts trying to like force himself onto me a little bit, like trying to, you know, and I could tell like I'm still half asleep, but I'm kind of like, no, this isn't happening. Like I'm not I'm not going to be having sex with you, at least not yet. You know, I know that we're like really close already, but I told you I want to make sure that you're going to be my husband first. Since I was kind of like half asleep, you know, and he's just like, I had never dealt with a person that was so manipulative before. I didn't have experience in that area. So while I'm still laying there half asleep, he did pull down my underwear and start like, I can remember saying stop, stop, but not in like a, I'm fully awake and alert and loud and you know, whatever. So he ends up kind of like just ignoring me and like doing it anyway. So if you're looking at this as a black and white situation, rape or not rape, it was rape because I told him stop. But once he got started, I was like, well, there goes that. He might as well finish it now because I didn't want to cross that line in the first place. So I'm like, well, once the line's been crossed, whatever. So then we started having sex all the time, which is really a black and white way of thinking. You know, I've always struggled with that a little bit, like all or nothing kind of mentality. But, you know, he would lie and say like, oh, I didn't hear you or, oh, I thought you might have been saying like, stop, but I thought you, I didn't know you meant it. I thought you, you know, things like that to make me feel like there was a misunderstanding. That part of our relationship was very confusing to me. I never felt like I was actually raped until after the fact, looking back on it and like really getting to know who he was as a person, how he lied and how he twisted things. Then I was able to piece that together and realize it probably wasn't a misunderstanding. He knew what he was doing. He probably could hear me. He doesn't have any history of hearing loss, you know? And so with my my next relationship actually being my husband, with him, it was different because I knew that he was so respectful of whatever boundaries I put up that if we were having sex before we were married, it was because I let it happen, not because he was going to make it happen. You know, there was just a total difference in that feel of the person that I got, you know? So going into my relationship with him, I could tell like if I was not wanting it to go there, he would respect it and stop if I told him to. So having someone so good looking and respectful, it's hard to say no to somebody like that. So it's not like we waited till we were married either, but I knew with that person that it was different and with all these things lining up that he would be the one I married as long as I didn't screw it up. And he did. Had you realized that you had gone through a sexual assault by the time you had gotten into this new relationship with your husband or did that come after? It took me breaking up with him and learning all the lies and things for me to piece a lot more together. People probably thought I was a crazy person, but I even went back and like got a hold of his ex-girlfriend before me and stuff. And I was like, hey, I want to know from your end of things like I 
have to figure out what's true and what's not. And there are things about things that she would know or not know to be true. I was tired of being lied to and I wanted to know. And I even called up another girl that I knew he was interested in at church who he was like, hey, if we don't work out, I'm going for her next. You know, I think she's cute and stuff like that. I remember calling her up and warning her, don't do it. You know, this is why and stuff like that. So I think looking back on it, I wish I wouldn't have gotten so many people involved, but I didn't know what else to do. I just felt like I was suffering alone in all this. My family couldn't bear to hear any of it because they got so angry. It wasn't like this was somebody that was a stranger. It wasn't like this was somebody who came out of nowhere and like held me down or, you know, it's not like I was screaming for help. And and those are the types of situations you see in the movies and stuff like that. When if somebody gets raped, it's traumatic and everything. But it was so confusing. I didn't even realize it was happening at the moment as rape because I figured there was some miscommunication or something. And by the time I realized, like it, it made me really mad at him because like it was just another one of his like selfish things to add to his list. It did match up to who he was as a person. Honestly, that was not the most traumatizing thing of this entire scenario, just because he was somebody I still cared about and he was somebody I did decide to have sex with so many times after. I'd say the most traumatizing thing of it all was just, it, it was scary more than anything to learn that the person I had been with for any amount of time was just the picture he portrayed and not the real him. Everything about him was fabricated. That was the scariest thing that I could get so close to somebody and not really know who they were at all. After that conversation with his mom and finding out so much about him and everything he's lied about, connecting the dots about the paranoia and the manipulation and things like that. You know, it's very frustrating for me, but um, really the trauma of most of it really lied in dealing with someone I thought I knew but didn't. And then after the breakup, dealing with such an explosion of anger, threats, and and waiting out the storm, you know, um, of all of that that was happening, the, um, trying to tear apart my relationships with my family members, threatening to do things to me, th- threatening to do things to himself, blackmail and... He did even try like, hey, I'm walking to this location. Meet me there. If I don't see you by this time, I'm hanging myself in a tree at the park there. You know, stuff like that, where it was like, it was really traumatizing to just get him to move on with his life and leave me out of it because it was so difficult. I don't miss it at all, but I'm just really thankful to get through it and to eventually find somebody who wouldn't put me through any of that. Was there a moment or a conversation you had with your now husband that made you feel like I can really trust that he is who he says he is? I took internet stalking to the next level after this terrible relationship because I thought I already did my homework and meeting him and he ended up not being anything you know I was like oh he likes these things on Facebook he like you know he's on this Christian mingle website all these things that I thought really added up to what I was looking for but none of it was legit so I really took it to the next level with my now husband and like looked everywhere I possibly could to find him online and see if there were any red flags. And I wanted so badly to find another committed relationship and settle down and get married and things that was so important to me that I was willing to give it another chance no matter what happened. But just with my eyes more open this time, it really, time is all it took. It just took time for him to not prove me wrong in trusting him. Is there anything else we haven't talked about or any piece of advice that you'd like to tell the audience? 
months. Part of me feels a little bit like maybe a hint of guilt in a way of talking about the den the way I have today. I know this isn't a normal situation for most to talk about someone who's not alive to defend themselves or just it might sa- seem kind of wrong in a way. One thing I would like to say about this person is he had everything at his disposal to change. He had health insurance. He had transportation when he wanted it bad enough. He was on Medicaid, so he could have had free medication to help any kind of imbalance in his brain with mental illness. He could have gone to a therapist or even, you know, in the age of smartphones virtually to see a counselor for his struggles and things. But there was nothing that I was able to do to make him actually do anything to help himself or change himself. I know that was really frustrating for a while because I used to think if I could just get him to get on medication and see someone and talk to them about these things, he can become a new person. And that was what I really wanted to do with him and why I kept wanting to give him another chance because I'm like, you know, people can change, people can change. So I guess I would tell people that you can can't make people want to change. It's up to them. We do have so many things at our disposal. I would tell you if you're in a situation with somebody like this to let them know that it's not anything to be ashamed of. It's a really good thing. Even people that have a lot less issues with him go to seek out help from professionals for mental health and it benefits them greatly. I know I'm seeing somebody for my mental health right now with separate issues of my own and, you know, taking things for anxiety and whatnot. And it's helped me tremendously in the past year. I'm like a different person for the better. So it's not anything to be ashamed of, embarrassed of. It's not something you should be taking pride in to not have help. If you need it, it's there. But if you know somebody who needs it, all you can do is encourage them to get it. You can't make them get it. This Thursday, I'll be breaking down this week's episode bit by bit because obviously there's lots to unpack. Don't forget the breakup submission form is in this episode description and in the bio of the Breakup Breakdown podcast Instagram at Breakup Breakdown Podcast. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.